Welcome to The Friday Habit with Mark Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. Welcome to the show. Today, I have the EVP and Global CFO of Worldwide Oil Field Machine, director of the Peronic Foundation and author of Seven Letters to My Daughters. Ronnie Peronic is a successful business leader, creative, and philanthropist who thrives at driving innovation, empowering others, and inspiring collaboration. She is the co-owner, executive vice president, and global CFO of Houston-based Worldwide Oil Field Machine, also known as WOM which is a privately held family-owned oil and gas equipment manufacturing firm with more than 3,000 employees operating in 11 locations around the world. In addition, she chairs the organization's corporate responsibility arm, the Peronic Foundation, a nonprofit that provides educational opportunities for under-resourced children in India. Wow, that's a mouthful. Rani, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. Try to get through all those big words, you know? <laughs> hey, before we jump in, I'm really excited to talk to you about your new book. And I really want to learn more about your history and where you, you've come from and where you're heading next and all that kind of stuff. But first, I want to ask you a random question here. So I got my random question generator. <laughs> okay, here's a question. I'll answer it too. What's the best compliment you've ever gotten? Ooh, the best compliment that you make my eyes shine. <laughs> there you go. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Let's see. For me, people comment on my hair a lot because I'm, <laughs> I my hair turned white kind of early. So people all the time would be like, "I love your hair." I don't know if it's the best compliment, but I get it a lot from random, totally random strangers. They're like, "Your hair is so white. Is that normal?" I was like, "I don't know. Just this is what happens. You know, turns white." Yeah. It's premature wisdom. Sure. <laughs> there you go. I'll take it. But yeah. And I think the other one probably would just be as far as the best compliment, it's just my kids being like, you're the best dad. And like, that's probably honestly like the best compliment I could ever get, you know? And you, you have children's, I'm assuming, since you have a book called uh, uh, The Seven Letters to My Daughters. I do. I do. Two girls. Uh, they're in their cool. 20s, uh, independent. Okay. And absolutely. Uh, best compliments definitely come from them. That's awesome. That's super cool to hear. Well, I would love to get through the book and kind of what you've learned throughout your journey and stuff like that. But maybe you can kind of give me some background. I know that you're you're involved in running a family business. When you say family business, you usually think a mom and pop shop, but family business, this is serious stuff. 3,000 employees, 11 locations. Yeah. Maybe you can tell me about that journey. You know, like what, what were you like as a kid, you know, before you even jumped into all this stuff, like what would, what kind of kid were you like, and how do you see, do you see any of those qualities tie into like who you are now and what you do now? I, I love it. I love it. Um, so yes, family business basically means it's really dad and now it's me. So it's not like whole, you know, multi-generational, all that stuff. So I was, uh, born in India, but I was raised completely uh, until I was in the, uh, in the 12th grade <clears throat> here in Houston, Texas. Uh, so the first 18 years of my life, raised in Houston, Texas. At that time, my dad had started the business when I was three. So I was literally brought up in the business. So everything from watching him innovate those hard, long nights, you know, mom bringing dinner, staying up until two and three in the morning to seeing his success, that first $100,000 check that he got from one of his, you know, he actually bid against a competitor. He got it. All those smiles, victory, cheers. Really, I was, I used to be like his 
back office accountant, even in my middle school days. Uh, my really? mom's accounting department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. So, it's really cool that, that, that your parents really got you that involved. Was it something that you were like super interested in or were they just the type of parents who are like, hey, we're going to throw you in here and just become part of it? I was, I guess I just sort of followed my mom wherever she went. Uh, she and I have always been best friends uh, ever since I was a kid. So if mom was busy doing something for me, it was like, hey, how can I help you, mom? So she's like, well, why don't you label this? Well, go see what this invoice is like. See if these people will pay us or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> so, um, I really watched the business grow from literally three people to when I left the United States when I was 18 years old. I think we were about 50, 60 people at that time uh, here in the U.S. And then the next 18 years of my life, I lived in India. And that's when I started my own business, uh, which was actually never planned it at all. But it was a dance and leadership company by the name of Isha, the integral search for harmony through art. And its main purpose really was to provide a safe platform for initially girls and then later on all populations uh, within, you know, our state and country of India to express themselves, to find a good place to express and team build, which in India sometimes is hard, uh, specifically, you know, coming from a very traditional sort of culture, cultural background. Girls don't have a very free voice to really say what they want or even to be able to dream and all of those things. Um, after that, in 2007, I returned back to Houston uh, a lot of life happened in between. And then I was 40 years old when I decided, okay, I need to stand back on my feet. Mm -hmm. I had always wanted to go to Rice University, you know, living in Houston. Everyone was like, you're 40, you're too old. What are you doing? You know, take care of your kids, all that. But at that time, I'd already been, I joined WOM back, like I said, in 2007. So it already been about five years that I was back in like this business. Started the HR department, really just shouldered people with the same question. How can I help you? What can I do to support you? And not as like the owner's daughter or, or any sense of entitlement. So when I was 40, this was like about in uh, 20, when is this? What, what is this? Uh, 2010, actually. Yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, let's go back. So tried it. I was accepted into Rice, did all that, graduated in 14. And there you go. Started the sort of my career even more seriously into WOM, restructuring, started traveling the globe for all the locations. So when my dad started when I was three years old, three people all of a sudden exploded to where this whole story you're talking about. Man, that's that's so amazing. And I, I'm actually really fascinated by your uh, your passion for dance and leadership and the connection there, you know, in that organization. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, what was your mission in and how did that bring people together? Like, what do you see the connection between like moving your body to music and like leadership? And how does that build a team? Oh, I love, love, love the question. So when I went to India and I was about 19 years old, when I got married, it was an arranged marriage. So you can imagine me being brought up here in the U.S. All of a sudden I've got this arranged marriage and I had to somehow find my voice and didn't even know it at the time. When my daughter was about three years old, she went to an all-girls school. So that's India, by the way, at three years in school. <laughs> <laughs> okay, gotcha. And is, is and is arranged marriage pretty popular or typical as well now in India? Is that part of your culture, would you say? I mean, I've heard mixed things like that it's not as common as it was. Is it just, you know, and for you, what, that must have been crazy because you're like living in Houston, yeah. probably not part of most of your friends there. And then that's pretty different. So yeah, what was that? Very, very different, Ben. Very different. So nowadays, it's uh, it's like a mix. You know, um, there's some uh, young adults who opt 
for arranged marriage because they're just so, in de- you know, deeply involved in their careers. They don't have time to socialize. And so they go that route. Traditionally, it's it's really more of an option now. You know, mm-hmm. my arranged marriage was really done because a couple of things happened in my youth where my mom was like, you got to be married. You know, this is just the best way, this is the best route. And it's in my book, by the way. It's not a very happy story, but it was a, I guess it was a transformational story that led me, that led into my arranged marriage. But going back to this whole, you know, dance thing. Yes. When I went to my daughter's school, all I knew is that I wanted to somehow be close to her. Right. And I had already had like this business administration. I'd already graduated from that. But I was like, okay, I went to the principal's office and said, how can I help you? Same thing. Right. So Mm -hmm. she kind of looks me up and down going, well, what can you do? (laughs) <laughs> and at that point, honestly, I thought I was a classical Indian vocalist. I had been singing for about, what, seven, eight years by then. And I had to let it go only because of my, well, my daughter was born. And it's just hard joint family, little baby. You can't really sing for six hours anymore. So when she asked me, she asked, can you dance? And I'm like, well, actually, I can. I've got to decent background in dance because I did ballet, modern dance, Indian folk dance. I was a competitive dancer when I was in Houston. So I said, I guess I can. So that was my process. And I said, all right, I'll take what I have, which is dance, and I'll help you put your, you know, your your end of the year concert together or whatever. So I did that. But what I realized is my first batch of girls when they came through, you would expect like nine, 10 year olds to be jumping up for joy. Hey, dance class. None of that happened. Really? No, Ben, they came through so (laughs) quiet as if they were just like, all right. I was like, hey, how's it going? Good morning, everybody. And I got this very sing song. Oh, good morning, teacher. Uh Very scripted, very told what to do type of thing. So one thing led to the next. And I tried to really just again, I, I, I did not plan it at all. What I wanted to see is a smile on their face. What I wanted to see is them to just free up a little bit and just enjoy the moment. So I started researching on my own, you know, what are different games and tools and plays that I could do through dance. And I saw that it was a style of people call it, you know, movement therapy, dance therapy, all of those, you know, fancy words now. But for me, it was just a way of facilitating freedom and expression. So once all this was done, their parents came back to me and said, I've never seen my daughter so happy, yada, yada. And that's what led me to saying, you know, let me just start my own school. And even though the the medium was for girls at that time, like I mentioned, the facilitation techniques that I was able to develop or just kind of came about, I really honed into the five elements of the earth too. really brought that science into the games and the tools that I was developing that all of a sudden it was across the board. I had studied abroad programs, uh, culture exchange programs in Greece, Netherlands, and yada, yada. Never knew. And then corporates wanted it for team building. So it is about being comfortable, being confident in what you want to say, standing up politely, respectfully, which is so important in this day and age. Just because you have something to say and not everyone may agree with you, doesn't mean you need to shut your voice down. Neither does it mean you have to say it in a very aggressive or defensive way. There are ways of saying it. And that's really how the whole concept just blossomed in India. It really did. That's awesome. Yeah, And I feel like... So I have a little bit of background in dance. I'm not good at dance. But I met my wife actually on a dance team. 
and I've I've taken ballet and jazz and some things like that. You know, I don't I never told my friends and and Boy Scouts about any of that, of course. But <laughs> when I was a kid, I did some of that. You know, I was like, you know, keep that on the down low when I'm at soccer practice, right? Right. But um, I did it really. You know, it was very challenging. You know, but a lot of it has come in handy later in life with. Like uh, when I'm working out for personal training, it's like I have a little bit of control over what my body's doing and my posture. And I kind of understand some of those things. And just back to what you're saying, like the value of, you know, team building there. I feel like when you're, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, like I, you know, I met my wife on that team and part of it, we just got close because we were, you know, on this team. But I definitely feel like anytime I've been part of something that's like a, a band, you know, with music or something that's like a drama of some kind or a play. It's like you form bonds with people like across generations even where you wouldn't normally have something in common with that person, but you really bond with them. And so I just think that's a really cool way to connect with people, you know? So I think that's just such a cool idea to do the a dance school like that. All right, we're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, go to thefridayhabit.com. There you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, Go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at the Friday Habit.com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday. <laughs> <laughs>